0: Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod, brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and proud to be the CEO, President, and Founder of the Chamber. Please join us for this empowering podcast every Thursday at 6 PM. Hello and good afternoon. I'm super excited to be here. I'm a thought leader from the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce, and I've done the leadership program. So it's nice to be home at this conference. Um, I am the author of this new book, The Power of Saying No, the new science of how to say no that puts you in charge of your life. I'm the Associate Dean for Research and a professor of marketing at the Bauer College of Business at the University of Houston. I also am the lead faculty of the Women in Leadership program that we run for executives. I'd like to start my talk with a story that motivated the writing of this book and the way I've done my research through the years. I spent my 24th birthday staring at a fax machine. I was the junior-most member of a team and an advertising executive at the time, And we had had a routine meeting earlier that day. And part of my job was to write the minutes of the meeting and fax them over to the client. And that was a routine task for me. And so I knew I had a party that evening and all my friends and family were going to come. And so I did that routine task really quickly typed out the minutes, showed it to my boss, and faxed it over. I was ready to leave, 5 p.m., rushing out to to beat the traffic uh, that is notorious in Mumbai, which is where I grew up. My boss comes to my desk and says, with a smile, did you fax the minutes? Yes. I'm ready to go home for my party. She says, did you receive the receipt? And I said, no. And she said, well, don't leave till you get the receipt for the fax. And I was just shell-shocked, stunned. And I didn't know what to do at the moment. Essentially, she had trapped me into spending my evening to wait for a fax. And I wasn't empowered enough at the time, when I look back at it, to say no. And so that's what I did. I stood at the fax machine which was a glass room you know in those in the in the 90s the fax machine had this pride of place in organizations you had this glass room and there was a fax machine in there and i just waited waited for the fax to come through in the meanwhile i called home the party went on without me people came they had dinner it was a tuesday they left at 9:30 in the evening the fax arrives I pull the fax from the fax machine, put it on my boss's desk, and go home. When I think about my 24th birthday, I think about that fax paper, and I remember the words, received with thanks. Now, years have passed, and my disappointment of that day has definitely faded. But when I think about how that moment shaped my career and the research questions I asked moving forward and ultimately resulting in this book, it has been a tremendous opportunity to learn what motivates people. Why do they do what they do? Why do we sometimes put other people in positions where they have no choice but to do what I call in the book, bullshit jobs? Mm -hmm. Talking of birthday parties, there's a new podcast by Julia Louis-Dreyfus called Wiser Than Me. I highly recommend the podcast. And the premise of that podcast is that we can learn from people who are wiser than us. We can learn from people who have reached the third portion of their lives. Uh, They're they're above 70, for instance. So what uh, what Julia does is the first episode of this podcast, she talks to Jane Fonda. And she asked Jane Fonda a whole bunch of questions, everything from family, career, balancing life and home, making tough decisions. And she asked Julia, "What? She asked Julia, asked Jane, what quest, What would you give your 21-year-old 20, self?" what advice would you give your 21-year-old self? And and Jane says, no is a complete sentence. (laughs) And this is something that we all need to learn, especially as women, as I will show you. So let's look at some data based on my research that I've done on the concept of empowered refusal, which is the super skill of being able to say no more effectively. So the first question I ask in my research is, why do we say yes when we want to say no? And so I surveyed around 2,000 people, both men and women, 51% women. And I asked, do you say yes when you want to say no? And yes, women do, significantly more than men. We are more likely as women to take on responsibility and take on tasks that we have no interest in and are not up our alley. We do have a problem with that two-letter word, two word. We have a two-letter word problem. And that problem is the ability to say no. Women are significantly more likely to not know how to say no when a request is made of them compared to men. And why? Because we are worried about the consequences. Again, significantly traumatized and concerned and conflicted and feel great anxiety about the just saying no. In my research, I have identified that saying no is fraught with anxiety. And why? for three main reasons. One, we really care about the relationships we have with each other. And we struggle with saying no because we are worried that we will not be able to maintain those relationships. We also want to be seen as professional and in control and capable of being super women. And so we want that reputation. That's another strong driver, especially for women, to say, I care about my reputation. I don't want them to think I can't handle it. It's another reason why we say yes when we want to say no. And the final reason is we just don't know how. No one taught us how to say no. Right. So these are the issues I try to tackle in my research and in the book. So because we care about the relationships, we get stuck in what I call the acquaintance trap. I don't have time to go through all the traps that I laid out in the book, but I want to lay it out for you. Another trap that we get into because we care about our reputation is what I call the house of cards trap. And because we don't know how to say no, we get stuck in what I call the spotlight effect. Essentially, the spotlight is on you, and you feel that you're the absolute only person in the world who can do that. And so you say yes when you want to say no. Essentially, what I show in my research is that no is what I call a socially dispreferred response. What that essentially means is that when someone asks us a favor or makes a request of us or invites us to go somewhere, we take that as something that they are just expecting us to say yes to. And so saying no goes against that social interaction, that's social expectation. So it becomes extremely hard for us to say no. But lucky for us, I have spent a lot of time thinking about how to say no more effectively and navigate these situations. No, as we have discussed, is clearly a gendered issue. Research shows that we are significantly more likely as women to be unable to decline a workplace request We are more likely to say yes, and we are more likely to say yes because we care about those relationships, and we want to be seen as the nurturer, the helper, and the good person. There is a concept in the literature called non-promotable tasks, and I'm sure each and every one of you have done non-promotable tasks. Non-promotable tasks are the things we take on that do not advance us professionally in the organization. They're the things that need to be done, but they don't count towards our promotions. They don't come up during annual evaluations. No one has given you a raise because you organized the retirement party, or because you brought in coffee and donuts for a meeting never happens, and those are the non-promotable tasks that women often take on. In fact, research shows that women are more likely to be asked, 44% more likely to be asked to do non-promotable tasks. And when asked, they're 76% more likely to say yes, compared to 51% of men who will say yes. So men are asked less; they also say less, uh, say yes less as well. So we as women need to learn to say no for our own good, our own well-being, and for our own personal and professional advancement. One of the things that I've, one of the things that many, uh, many people have asked me over the years is, how do I decide what to say no to and what to say yes to? And so in my book, I come up with a framework that helps you decipher the yes and decipher the no. It's very odd, because as a professor who studies how to say no, people just assume I'm going to say no a lot. (laughs) And that's not true. I'm not the queen of no. I say no to the things that don't matter so that I can say yes to the things that do. Right, And so how do you decide what to say yes to and what to say no to? The framework that I've devised is a pretty straightforward framework. It's essentially a framework that has two main considerations. The first consideration is, how, what is the cost to me? How costly and effortful is it for you to say no? To do the task, sorry. How costly is it for you to do the task? and weigh that against the benefit that someone else will gain from you doing that task. So I divide these asks into four basic categories. The first category is what I like to call pass the salt asks. Pass the salt asks are asks which are very low cost to you, easy for you to do, not a problem, but huge benefit for other people. So imagine now, as a professor, I get asked to write recommendation letters a lot, right? So a recommendation letter for me is a pass the salt ask. Because I have a system in place on how to write a recommendation letter. I know how long it takes. I have a template. It's not hard, but it can be a game changer for my students. And so it is a pass the salt ask for which you, it's worth saying yes. Waiting for a fax on your birthday, low cost to me, really, if you think about it in terms of effort, but benefit to others. My boss could have gotten that fax in the morning, and it wouldn't wouldn't have made an iota of difference. So those kind of asks should be hell knows, right? Another ask, which is a trap that we very, very often get into, is what I call bake your famous lasagna asks. Now, these are careless asks. These are asks where someone, someone will tell you, do this really effortful thing, and you might feel that you have to. The reality is that you need to weigh that effort that you are investing against the benefit. Now, if someone is inviting you for a potluck and everyone's bringing a party tray, should you spend all evening baking a lasagna? Probably not. It's pretty clear that you need to see that for what it is, call it a bake your famous lasagna, ask, and say, do you mind if I just bring cake? that I can buy from a store. Most likely she'd say yes, and that would be the end of it. So identifying those careless asks and figuring out that those are hell knows is worth learning. The last type of asks are the hero's journey asks. They are the asks where it's definitely high cost to you, but it is a benefit to others as well. These are the things that are worth investing our time doing. These are the things that showcase our unique talent that allow us to bring the best that we have to offer to the world. And so these hero's journey asks is why we need to say no to everything else, so that we can engage in these kind of asks. So now that we've kind of figured out how to decipher the asks, let's Oh, this is one of the quotes for my book. My publisher made quote cards, and this is one of the quote ca- quotes that was picked from the quote card. If it's not a resounding yes, then it's a hell no. So how do you say no more effectively? The bulk of my research has focused on that actual, now that you've decided to say no, how do you communicate that no? So, I have coined this term in my research, empowered refusal. And empowered refusal is a super skill of saying no in a way that implicates your identity, conveys conviction and determination, is persuasive, and does not invite pushback or negotiation from the asker. Let me explain how this works. Imagine that you are, someone makes an ask of you. You could either come up with an excuse and say why you can't do something, or you could use a more empowered term, or more empowered language by saying you don't do something. By saying, I don't do this, whatever that thing is, and we'll go through some examples in a bit, I don't is a stronger, much more empowered term than saying I can't. What I show in my research is when you frame your refusal using the words, I don't, versus I can't, your your language connotes determination, decisiveness and control, empowerment, and signals to the asker, I'm in the driver's seat of my own life. I know what I, this is a no, it's a persuasive no. On the other hand, if you say, I'm sorry, I can't, it almost begs the question, why? It signals helplessness, lack of control, that you would in other circumstances do it, but for some reason you can't. And that invites negotiation. The other person begs the question, why? And then you get into this lengthy discussion as to why you can't do it, right? Something you want to avoid so imagine imagine let's take a simple example imagine that you do not that you have decided to stop eating sweets you know the sugar epidemic and you are on you just want to l- look after your your health and well-being and you're off sugar but you go to a to a party and the hostess brings you this luscious piece of cake On one hand, you could use the disempowered language and say, you know, I really can't because uh, I'm on this diet and I'm looking after my sugar. And most often, what I've found in my research is when you say I can't, you invite negotiation. People will kind of say, what's one slice of cake? Start your diet tomorrow, right? But if you say, I don't eat chocolate cake, you come across way more empowered. You are the kind of person who doesn't eat cake. And this idea, and we talked about cake, but we can talk about this in any, uh, in any situation. I'm the kind, I don't take the elevator when I can take the stairs. I'm a stair person. It signals to the world. I don't take on a project unless I've finished a previous one. You have a rule about how you work. People respect that. So when you s- that simple switch from I don't to I can't can make a world of difference in communicating an empowered refusal. So let's look at the three sets of skills that I talk about in my book to develop this ability to be able to say no more effectively. I call them the three competencies, the A-R-T of empowered refusal. The first is awareness, The second is making rules and not making decisions and and bringing your full self to the refusal. So awareness is about looking within. Make your refusal and your decisions start by looking within. What are your values, priorities, preferences, and beliefs? What is it that's driving you? Do do you have the self-knowledge about what you care about and where you want to invest your energy? With that deepened self-awareness, you need to develop a set of rules, which I call personal policies. Personal policies are simple rules that we make for ourselves that guide our actions and decisions. And these rules can form the infrastructure for what you say yes to and what you say no to and finally the third super skill to de- the, the third skill to develop as part of this kit of competencies is bringing your whole self to your refusal what i mean by that is you need to say the words i don't not i can't but you have to accompany it with empowered body language our body has a tendency to leak power And we need to be very careful about how our body comes across so that the words that we say are matched by the body language. And we can also use body language to be able to buffer the refusal so that we communicate through our body language that our refusal is about us. It is about our decision to say no, not a rejection of the asker. So we can smile. We can lean forward. We can use compassionate gestures that allow us to communicate that our refusal is about us. And the other person is more likely to be able to accept that with grace and comfort because they realize that we are living by our own values and what we care about. So I hope I made the case that empowered refusal is a super skill that's worth learning. Uh, what i found is that empowered refusal, when you learn that super skill, you start saying no to things that don't matter. You, start, you stop doing non-promotable tasks. You do not say yes to things that do not leverage or even showcase your unique skills. And finally, You don't do things that make you grumpy and resentful. (laughs) Learning empowered refusal makes you a trustee of your own life. Another quote card. What's been really, really fun about writing this book on the power of saying no, is the number of people who, as soon as I say the title, say, I need that. (laughs) That is an amazing thing for an author. My book is officially being launched on June 1. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again next Thursday at 6 p.m. For more information about the Chamber and our podcast, please visit us at ghwcc.org.